0: Um, I wanted to share, it's 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 something a bit sad really, Um, we lost our dog a couple of years ago, to have him put down, it was was very sad, it was old, but it was sad, we cried a lot, we still see him around the house, not literally, it's not haunting us, but uh, keep think, what was that, oh no, 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 we haven't got the dog anymore, and last year we lost our cat, again, old, had to Having have put down, and uh, I cried even more on that one. That's my cat. And uh, it's sad. And um, we've had to come to the decision to let another member of our house just uh, have, it, have it put down. And it's, it's, it, it's, it's sad. It's, it's very sad. Um, not that it's old, in particular. Fats would we'll live another decade or more. But it's a big decision. Not that they're ill at all. Perfectly healthy. But technically it's Jill's. And I said, well, are you sure you want to do this? She says, kill it. I know you don't think that of the way of my loving wife. But I I said, I really don't think we should. I really don't think we should. But she says, no, no. And she's been saying this for months But eventually this week, I came to the decision, okay, if you want it gone, we're going to have to let it go. You're shocked, aren't you? (laughs) So I've taken a picture, just so that you can share my sadness here. So here it is. This is the 35-foot-tall eucalyptus tree we have in our garden. Yes, it's the one that's slightly leaning over. It was a present I bought my wife. I can't remember if it was Christmas or birthday. So that's the biggest present any wife has ever been bought, as far as I'm concerned. You know, that's enormous, isn't it? It wasn't that big when I bought it. It was this big. And we've seen it grow and grow and grow. But it does lean. And uh, the fence at the bottom, that's new fence. That fence went up this week because it blew down. Doris blew it down. Storm Doris blew the fence down. And I wasn't here on that windy day. And Jill says... This tree, or this tree, is is moving about. And the neighbours and I think it's going to fall over. And I did as any husband would do. Don't be silly. Um, I'm sure it's fine. It's a big tree. It'll be all right. But we've had this fence put up, and uh, so it, it, lots of verticals on it. You see, the previous fence had all horizontals. Now it's verticals. I can see it moving. <laughs> in fact even in the slightest breeze it's it's definitely swaying and i dread to think how much it was really moving in storm so i did feel a bit guilty so i asked for a bit of advice from uh, he that knows uh, it's actually dave chapman gave me the details of the tree surgeon howard's trees just fall over but he's got he's chops his down that's fine um and i had the guy over and he said yep yeah, there's no roots in this it will fall over It's a common problem with eucalyptuses. There's some pictures I just found on the internet of eucalyptus trees in America, I think. That's an American car, and there's plenty more. It's a real common problem. So we've booked the date, and it's coming down. (laughs) Um, So if anyone wants another cheese board, (laughs) Uh, let me know. You see, when I heard about this, you know, this, there's no root that's going to fall over, I thought, oh, that's a preach, isn't it? In fact, I, I don't even need to do that preach, do I? Because you know that preach. So, shall we do it together? Right, so, there was a tree, and it had no roots, and it fell over, yeah? So, the roots symbolize what? Sorry? Faith, yes. What else might the roots in our Christian life be? Character. Character. I like that one. Very good. Food. Foundations. The word. Bible study. Sorry, Food. F- food. Yeah, yeah, spiritual food, yeah. <laughs> uh, planted by the river, going to find the river of God, that sort of thing. And the deep, deep roots means that when the storm comes. So what's the storm in our Christian life? What does that mean? Your cares, Challenges sorry disappointments adversity trauma and when these storms hit us if we've got strong roots we'll survive we might bend a little but we'll survive so we don't need that preach do we you've had that one a hundred times before so we're not doing that one today (laughs) you've done it in fact If you don't listen to anything I'm saying, you've already had a preach. You've just remembered one that's been in your preach reserves. You've opened that drawer. You've got that one out. Deep roots, strong tree. When the storm comes, we'll survive. All is good. Preach done. Over. Thank you, and good night. But that wasn't the issue with my tree. Because the tree surgeon said, "Ah, I saw a common problem with this eucalyptus because it's a tropical tree. And what happens with the eucalyptus, apparently, is it's used to a dry season, wet season. And in the dry season, it sends out roots looking for water. Enormous roots all over the place. Where's the water? Where's the water? Then the rain comes and the roots stop. And then the leaves come and the bark grows. And it grows phenomenally fast in the wet season. And then the dry season comes, and the roots set off again. So there's roots going down in the dry season, and then the leaves and the fruits and the koala bears all coming out in the, in the wet season. But in the UK, the tree thinks it's all the wet season. It says a lot for British summers. <laughs> Even in the British summer, it still thinks it's in the wet season. And so it says, I don't need roots. I just need to grow more, and more, and more, and they become very top-heavy. You could see, couldn't you, from, from that? It's very top-heavy, isn't it? And uh, the roots are almost non-existent. The captions on one of those pictures was, have a look at the roots, yes, what roots? Exclamation mark. Because there's literally there isn't any roots in it, is there? Big tree, and it's only going down six foot, if that. It's top-heavy. And he says it's in the wrong climate. It's in the wrong growing cycle. And I thought, that's interesting. That's a different preach. That's the one you get in. Do you know you have an optimum growing cycle as a Christian? You have a cycle to get into that's been designed for you as a Christian, designed for me as well. It is possible to be out of sync with God's cycle. Out of sync. When I saw that phrase, yeah, okay, we, we think about emails, don't we? And I'm syn- syncing my phone with my laptop and all that sort of thing, yeah. But the, the, the image that came into my mind was uh, from an old war film. That's where I'm at, you see. And the old war films, and there they were all at dead of night. There was the, the captain and, and his elite bunch about to do the raid on the probably German uh, ammo dump or whatever. And they're there, and they're going, OK, OK, right. Charlie, you take C Company. You go through the river, and you attack at this bit. And OK, Victor, you take B Company, and you go around the side. And, and we'll synchronize our watches, and we'll attack at 0400, you have no idea what I'm talking about. You clearly didn't watch the films that I used as a child, okay? <laughs> so let's synchronize, and they'll all get the watches out, and they'd go done. I have no idea what to do because these aren't digital watches. They, 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 what were they pressing? It's an old analog watch, and you know, hang, hang about. You know, that's what it should have been. Just a minute, I need to pull the thing in. Yeah, but nonetheless, in the middle, of, in the dark night, they synchronize their watches because what would have happened? You know? C company would have gone charge, hang about, it's another 10 minutes, yeah, what are you doing? Another 10 seconds, disaster, they've all got to arrive at the right moment for maximum impact, they had to be in sync, and you know, God has the same desire to be in sync with us, to release his power at the right time in our lives. Let's look at a verse. Matthew 3. Matthew 3. You can look it up, or you can just listen to me. Matthew 3, verse 7. We're talking John the Baptist here. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, "'You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come?' Therefore, bring forth fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. And the axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. John the Baptist says to the the Pharisees, to the Jewish leaders at the time, bear fruit, because they were focusing on Their roots. They were focusing on do not say to yourself that you have got Abraham. You're the children of Abraham. Don't focus on your root your roots are fine. But you're not bearing fruit. I found these couple of pictures on the internet here. I think they're real. I'm very nervous about fake news these days, but okay. Um if that really is the roots, it's spectacular, isn't it? It's all about the roots. Someone's taking a picture of that because of the roots. I think those trees are fruiting. But what John the Baptist is saying, you can't just rely on your roots. It's about being fruitful as well. So that's actually the opposite preach to the one you just preached me, didn't you? You said you need to have strong roots so that when the storms come. But John the Baptist said, you've got strong roots. You're the children of Abraham, but what you haven't got is anything showing. You've not got the fruit of a Christian life or a godly life or even a a properly Jewish life. Uh, As he would say to them at the time, the fruit isn't there. It's all about the root. So can you see it's about roots and fruit? It's not just about, I mean, I was brought up in a church culture where it was all about the roots. You knew your Bible, you knew your doctrine, you knew everything. The roots were solid and down and I don't criticize that. But there was no focus at all on fruit, other than that which comes out of the character of having the roots there. You need both, and both, they both—they both will come about by being in sync. Just like the eucalyptus tree had a season for rooting and a season for fruiting. I'm not sure if either of those words exist, but you know what I mean. So do you? So do I. It's time. To get stuck into the word. It's time to sort out things in my life. It's time I need some deliverance. I need to get I need to get some prayer because I've got to get my foundations right. It's time I need to get out there and tell people about Jesus. There's time I need to be sharing. There's time I need to be fulfilling my calling. I can't just sit on it anymore. There's time I've got to be out of my comfort zone because I need to bear fruit. And it'll be different for each one of us, but you know, it's there's times where we've got to do both. Yeah. Glad you agree. Otherwise, we'll become top heavy or bottom heavy. I won't make the obvious joke. So, what does this this growth cycle? I think. Well, I think I was praying. So, what does this growth cycle look like? I said to the Lord, and He said, "You just need to focus, perhaps." on a couple of things. I just want to spend a moment just talking to you about Shabbat, or we used to call it the Sabbath, or a day of rest. I believe this is a vital part of your growth and fruitfulness cycle. See, i would known it for years and never done it. Sunday was my day of rest. It actually meant I had a busy Sunday, going to church, often many times. Wasn't a day of rest at all. Wasn't a day with God, really. It was a busy day. So I made the decision January last year, 2016. As you know, many of you know, I run my own business. And uh, I made the decision to give myself a day off a week. I decided that I wasn't going to do my normal job On Fridays. Now, of course, you'll say, that's all right. You're the boss. You run your own business. You can have a day off whenever you like it. True. That is true. However, I've still got to do the same amount of work (laughs) on the other four days. Those four days have become very busy. Right? Very busy. I'm often traveling a lot. And so those four days are there. But what I do now is when I finish work on a Thursday night, it's as though I... Across the border from the world of work into the world of not work. I never did that on a Friday night. When I worked five days, I'd still be doing something on a Saturday morning, Saturday evening, checking a few emails here and there, Sunday afternoon, writing a report, etc. I actually didn't stop at all in my mind. And many will know where you're running businesses or you've got senior roles and all those sorts of things, it can take over your whole life, particularly with modern technology. But because I was giving myself a Friday off, I knew I couldn't check my emails on Friday. Now, that's self-discipline, let me tell you. When that little number comes next to the email icon on your iPad, it says 11 or something. There's 11 emails there. You think, one of them might be something really good. And then, oh, no, one of them might be something really bad. No, I'll just leave that for now. It's discipline. On Thursday night, I cross over and I say, this is now my Shabbat. Now, that's not necessarily the Hebraic Shabbat. That starts on a Friday evening into a Saturday. Well, I'm not doing that. I have chosen to give myself some time off to allow me to grow. Because you see, I was getting worn out. I was getting completely frazzled. and I'd lost my joy at work and in many things. So all of last year, I, I had Fridays off. What did I do? I came to touch point on some of them, it's fine. I didn't come to press school, I didn't think that was part of what I needed to do. I started writing a book, like I mentioned to a few of you. Uh, stand by your beds, it's going to be printed very soon, it'll be uh, published very shortly. It's not the book about the vital fivefold, by the way, that's the next book. So Don't get too excited. Please buy this book, but it's, uh, it's not that book in fact it's ready to go to print just as soon as my readers give me the nod and say that the changes i've made are okay that's a hint to the couple in the room that i'm waiting for that back on um i am not a creative person i'm a scientist that's my my training and i'm a businessman so the fact that i've written a book is hilarious because that's not me at all god's very much been in this and it's it, it, something has changed in me I have thoroughly enjoyed it, if nobody ever buys it fine with me, really enjoy doing it it's been good I want something to buy it I need to cover my costs, but nonetheless you know, I'm <laughs> getting it printed it's done something for me it's given me a focus to just be focused on God I haven't been writing every day many days I just go out for a walk I put my boots on and go walk for several miles a bit of a prayer walk really I'd have to say And I had not realised until many, many months down the line of how much I had changed because how I was dealing with Fridays. It had changed me as an individual and I didn't see it coming. I did it actually out of discipline. I really ought to give myself some time so I'll do it. I'll have a Friday off. I can't do without it now. To the extent that a couple of weeks ago I had to work on the Friday and actually the Saturday as well. I was at a conference in, in Manchester so I gave myself the Thursday off as well <laughs> the week after. I felt as though I deserved it. I absolutely agree with the fact that Shabbat has changed me. It, you know, And I'm nobody special. You need it. I need it. It might not be a Friday, it might be a Saturday, it might be a Sunday, it might be... but it's, And it's the mentality, as I've called it, of crossing the border. It's not, I'll give myself an hour here or an hour there, and I'll give myself a bit of time off. That doesn't do it for me, and I don't think it'll do it for you. It's, I've stepped out of that, I'm now into this. And then, and I'm not going to do some work now. I'm not going to do what it is would normally consume me. I'm now going to cross over, back into it on a Sunday night. I get three three days for a weekend. I didn't used to have any because so I just carry on all the way through. So Shabbat, to me, has actually had a big transforming power with you, and I think this is something that Lords wanted to encourage us with, that his growth cycle for you to help you develop and be fruitful includes having time just to rest, be with him, do that which makes your heart Glad, yeah, so do it. The other thing is what I've just loosely called God's calendar. It's interesting that uh, I was blaming the Gregorian calendar for some confusions, and it's true. I shall do a talk some in some time about a bit of church history and how some of this has all kicked in, and it's all a, a glorious counterfeit. It's not a bad thing. Lent and all those sorts of things, it's, there's nothing wrong in it, it's just not right. There's a big difference. See, God has a calendar. I'm learning this myself. Let's, let's have a moment of honesty here, right? I've only actually been exposed to um, the Issachar, to use his loose handle, for about a year or so. I've only be, When I went to the Passover meal last year, it was the first time I'd ever done anything like that. And I thought, actually, there's something in this. Well, that's as far as I went. There's something in this. There's something quite important here. And I've missed it, and I think I've said before, it's frustrating that churchiosity had never spoon-fed me that over the years. So now, I'm willing to embrace... So just like I embraced Shabbat... And in time, I realized it had changed me. By embracing the feasts, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles, and beginning to understand what the significance is, and I'm doing that partially out of curiosity, partially out of obedience, partially out of, I think there's something in this, which is probably the same page we're all on or you're on the next page, great, don't spoil it for me. I'm waiting to see what God's going to reveal. I'm convinced it's going to change me, just like Fridays have. Yeah? Because there is a spiritual transaction happening here. I'm not being lazy on a Friday. I'm not resting. I'm being busy. But I'm being busy in an obedient way. And so I will be celebrating Passover in a few weeks time it means I'm going out for a meal I like going out for meals but I'm also going to in my head do it in faith Think actually there's something in this and I'm going to learn a bit more about what this Passover meal is and how, what it represents, I learned a bit last year I'm going to learn a lot more this year if you're not coming to the Cedar meal, and that's fine, I appreciate it. it's not cheap and maybe you've got other things in the diary can I encourage you to celebrate your own Passover? I don't mean have all the trimmings, because that's, that is actually the old thing. The key thing is to celebrate the Passover. Let's, let's look, Corinthians, little passage here, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 6. So it says, Paul writing to the church at Corinth. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? Clean out the old leaven, and you may, that you may be a new lump, just as you are in fact unleavened. For Christ, our Passover, has also been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So, leaven, we'll call it yeast. You know, so... Paul is clearly saying there to the church at Corinth, celebrate the feast. That phrase is in there. Corinth is not in Israel. In fact, it's a very heathen place in the middle of Greece. We assume there would have been some Jews there, but by no means the majority. And yet Paul is saying you need to celebrate the Passover, celebrate the feast. However... It's not about celebrating the feast. It's about realizing the spiritual significance of what that feast means. It means about clearing out the old and bringing in the new. Because that's what it was about. This Passover, over the centuries, has turned into many things, not least of which is the whole principle of spring cleaning. Yeah? Yeah? We've all been involved in spring cleaning. If we've not done it ourselves, our mothers have made us do it in our bedrooms when we were little. Yeah, time for spring cleaning. It goes back to Passover, through you know the uh, the Roman Church and Lent and preparations and all those sorts of things, because this is part of God's calendar for us to have a time to focus at getting rid of the old and bringing in the new. It's not about celebrating a feast in that sense. It's about saying that in faith, I'm going to use this time of the year to find that which I shouldn't have and deal with it. And I'm going to take on board that which I should. When Jesus um, celebrated his final Passover meal, at what we call the Last Supper, he said, do this in remembrance of me. And we take the bread and the wine and we often do it weekly or monthly and there's nothing wrong in that. That's good, do it daily. But what he's actually saying is, the Passover, do this in remembrance of me. Because to that point, the Passover was in remembrance of an event that happened centuries ago when the children of Israel were brought out of Egypt. So it was a remembrance day, We know what a remembrance day is. We do that every year as well in November. But it was a remembrance ceremony about something that happened a long time ago. And Jesus said, that's fine, but from now on, it's remembrance of me. Oh, that must have blown their minds because they've been doing it for all their lives. Looking back at the Passover um, that first happened uh, in the captivity in, uh, in Egypt. He says, no, this is about me and expands in the New Testament. that uh, It's not about the ceremony as such, that there is great truth wrapped up in it, and to, and to participate in a, let's call it a traditional Passover, is great, because it helps your focus. So I'm not saying we need to celebrate the Passover. What I'm saying is that God has a calendar, and we're coming up to, in the next few weeks, an important part of that calendar, and I'm encouraging you to use this part of God's year To get rid of that which is old, let it go. If you need people to pray with you, they'll pray with you. If you need to go through deliverance, you need to go through deliverance. If you need to make your own commitments before God, you do that. God never changes, and he's available for that all year round. That's the, the number one criticism that's leveled at anybody wanting to celebrate the feast is, but God's there all the time. True, of course he is. Now is always the day of celebration or the day of salvation. Fine. Let me ask you a question. Can you name the Ten Commandments? Come on, let's have a little bit of a quiz now. Come on, there's ten. We can do it, can't we? Love the Lord. I don't want it word for word. That'll just embarrass me that you know it word for word. So love the Lord of God with all the heart and soul, etc. Yeah, there's that one. Love thy neighbor. There's graven images. Remember, there's that one. Sabbath is one. Covert, your, your neighbor's ox. Sorry? Don't steal. Murder. Parents. Sabbath day. I've lost count. We've missed one. I don't know what it is. We had false... Yeah I, think, yeah, I think we missed out the line one, didn't we? I can't remember. Right. Fantastic. Where did the Where did the Ten Commandments come from? They were given to Moses, weren't they? Actually, I'm going to get you. And they're so well known... You even get them in quiz shows. Not the, that's the proper quiz shows. Not the ones where they tell you actually to name all the different Kardashians or anything like that one. I'm talking, you know, proper quiz shows you actually to name the Ten Commandments. Was that the only instruction that was given to Moses at that time? It wasn't, was it? That's actually half a chapter. If it's that important that we carry it in our heads and so has all of Christendom for two millennia, how come we've ignored all the rest that was given? The feasts, the sacrifices. It's quite clear, the final sacrifice was Jesus. We don't need to keep that. He hasn't said the feasts have ended. In fact, they are said permanently for eternity. So to say... I understand what the Ten Commandments are, and as a good Christian, that's going to be part of my life naturally. I don't have to try and obey it because it's going to be a natural part of who I am. I agree. But actually, I'm going to disregard the feasts. You're actually making a distinction on a message that was given by God to Moses, to mankind, at the same time. That doesn't strike me as being particularly fair. When the... um, Israel nation, whereas we read through the Old Testament in Kings and Chronicles, and uh, they have good kings and bad kings. Have you played that game? It's great when you go through judges. Oh, good, good judge, bad judge, and then good king, bad king, all like this. What did they do when the good king came in? You know, when he, when he realized, and they repented, and the whole nation had been punished, and everything had gone wrong, and they, and they came back to God, what was one of the first things that they did? They reinstated the, pe- the feasts. Yeah? You don't believe me? Two Kings. I know you do believe. Two Kings 23. To, the story of Josiah. We're not looking up here. And the actual title, Some Bibles put a title, don't they, on different chapters, Passover Reinstated. Because it was part of the, right, we need to get right with God. We'll do Passover. Why? Because to do Passover, it means symbolically and practically, I've got to get rid of all the old and they need to bring in the new. And he'd say, okay, God, I'm committed to you ongoing. That's all that Passover is. It's time when God says, this is a moment for introspection. And so as we're coming up to that season, let's just say there is a cycle here that God has designed for our growth and our fruitfulness to make sure our roots and our fruits are correct and part of that, and we're on a journey of discovery together, is to recognize that if we make those commitments to God, just like they did in the Old Testament, you know, they did it to say, I am committed. It was a ceremony. Now, it wasn't just a, an obedience thing, element of that. It was for them to say, okay, we know we've done wrong, but we want to come back. This is a good time to make amends with God. That was a different preach, wasn't it? Compared to the good roots, means you'll stand in the storm. It's get the right roots and the right shoots and the right fruits. And to do that, get in the right cycle. Amen. Father, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you for Shabbat. Thank you for how much that has changed me. I thank you for the glass of wine that we have often on a on a Friday evening. Thank you for the, the way I feel relaxed over a weekend. Thank you for the truth that you have proven in my life. And Lord, I thank you in anticipation for the transformation that you'll bring into my life and all of our lives as we embrace your calendar. Lord, I thank you for those that are going ahead of us here, Jenny and Steve and others that are already on this page and I thank you it is truth and I accept it in faith and I look forward to seeing the unfolding of your promises in my life indeed in all of our lives Lord I thank you for the great truth of all that you've done for us on the cross that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there is no day when you would ever say we've missed it, that you don't consider anything being too late. You are always available. And yet there are times when you help us by giving us a focus. The Lord, help us to notice that and to apply that in our lives. Amen. Amen. Amen.